Support for this podcast comes from Troy University, dedicated to teaching a new generation to lead change. Information on leadership opportunities available to students from day one is at troy.edu slash lead change. From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. Today, Edith Powell returns to the Storyline book series during Black History Month. She is retired professor of immunology and hematology at Tuskegee University and the author of the book, A Black Oasis, Tuskegee Institute's Fight Against Infantile Paralysis, 1941 to 1975. Edith Powell herself had polio as a child. And in part one of her interview, she tells the backstory of how President F.D. Roosevelt and his wife Eleanor took up the cause of treating polio in both black and white children. Edith joins us by Skype. Dr. Edith Powell, welcome back to Troy Public Radio. Thank you so much. I enjoyed being with you. Thanks for thinking of me again. Edith, you are the co-author of A Black Oasis, Tuskegee Institute's Fight Against Infantile Paralysis, 1941 to 1975. Your co-author was the late Dr. John Hume, a pioneer among black orthopedic surgeons. That's true. Tell me about your personal experience with polio. I don't remember too terribly much about it. I was about four years old, four or five. I was born in Tuskegee, and the polio center had been opened in 1941, and my parents knew Dr. Chenault, who was the first physician who came to be in charge of the unit. He was sent there by the March of Dimes. When I got the symptoms, my daddy took me out there to him, and he diagnosed me and said, yes, she has the symptoms of polio, but we can't treat her because she's white, and she'll have to go to Warm Springs. So we went to Warm Springs, and I had a knee brace up from my foot to my knee. So I really didn't have a very bad case. I had symptoms that kept on going through the first grade, I remember, into the second grade. But I didn't wear the brace anymore. And then you can't tell that I have any residual, so I was very lucky. When I came to Tuskegee to teach, my office happened to be in the polio wing of the hospital. And it took me several months of asking people who did not know anything other than that was part of the hospital and part of the children's part of the hospital. On page 27, you talk about what is polio and how long we've had it uh-huh. in various civilizations. So what is it for people who don't remember? It's a virus. We knew about viruses at some point, but not probably too much before the 40s. Until you got the electron microscope and some of the equipment, you couldn't see a virus. But they knew it was not a bacteria. They talked about it as a virus, but they didn't admit it was a disease that the doctors would accept until 1932, even though polio had been going through the country in summertime and the heat. They say it was mentioned in the Bible. So it's been around a long, long time, but they didn't know the cause. They didn't know the treatment for it. There was no medication for it. Once it started, you couldn't undo it. You say in the book, In 1936, a severe polio epidemic swept the South, Mm -hmm. crippling both black and white children. Well, there were thousands of kids during that time that got it. We were trying to zero in on the fact that children in the South got it, and we were getting to the point that at that time, 
the medical schools were teaching that polio was not seen in the black population, so they must be immune. And they were not reported as having polio, even though some people saw them with it, but they assumed that that was not polio that they had. But when Dr. Chenault came, when he was a medical student, he came to the John Andrew Clinical Society's two-week-long course at John Andrew Hospital that they had for black medical doctors to get continuing education because they could not go to the AMA meetings because of segregation. And he saw the children in the pediatric ward that had polio, and he started studying about it. And he went back and made his major teacher in the medical school, let him make a paper at a national meeting about it. They started circulating it through the medical student population, the medical schools, that you had to look at the black children because they had it also. And depending on what part of the country you were in, and most of those children were in the South, they realized there was no places for them to get treated, except some hospitals admitted black people, but there was no specialized place for them, and that they require specialized treatment. FDR got involved. President Franklin Roosevelt himself had polio. Right. He got involved in that question. Right. Where can black children with polio get treated? What happened then? Well, he was 39, I think, when he got polio. And his friends had told him to come down to Georgia to Warm Springs because there's some water down there and a little pool that people taking the waters made them feel better and made them healthier feeling. And he might would like it. So he came down, he saw it, and he liked the idea. So he bought the place, and he opened it as Warm Springs Foundation. It was supported through what they call the Georgia Warm Springs Foundation. And they've got the money that they ran it with from the president's birthday balls, which are held every January on the president's birthday. And people all over the country would have balls in their town. People would buy tickets and dress up, and they'd go eat and dance, and the money would go into that foundation. Black people and white people supported the president's balls. So when the little boy in Mobile, whose daddy uh, was a minister, they found out he had polio, he took the child over there. He was black, and they wouldn't let him come in. And so that's what started the letters to President Roosevelt and to the NAACP and some other people. So, Edith, how did FDR's wife, Eleanor, get involved in this? Eleanor Roosevelt got a letter, and she was already a big fan of Tuskegee. She had been a big supporter and been there before. So she wrote on the letter, sent it to her husband. She wrote notes on letters to him rather than just going over there talking to him, I guess. And she said, what about this? Does black children not get admitted to Warm Springs? The story kept getting bigger and going into the newspapers. And finally she wrote it back. She said, you need to find out about this. He asked his foreman down in Georgia that ran the place for him if that was true. And he said, well, yes, they had some, but found out that it was just the employees' children, the maids and the cooks' children, if they happened to have it, and some of the other community people that they knew. So it became a big issue. It got a lot of political publicity. However, Basil O'Connor, who was Roosevelt's law partner, when Roosevelt got elected president, he had to get out of the firm. So Basil O'Connor still ran their firm, but he was also his best friend for years. So he had made O'Connor head of the Georgia Warmer Springs Foundation. And when the question came up about the black people supporting the president's ball, and yet it was paying for the Warmer Springs people, but the child could not go over there, it was going to upset a lot of people, and it was. So he said, we need to do something about it. So when Eleanor started questioning, he said, I'll ask them to tell me what I have to do to convert Warm Springs into being able to take black people. 
when they did the study, they let him know that they'd have to have two pools, two sets of beds, two sets of PTs, OTs, doctors. They'd have to have a second dining room, black employees in the dining room, black nurses, and it was just going to cost too much money. And why didn't they just give the money that they had to a hospital or some facility that was already treating black children and let them add that to their service? He already knew about Tuskegee. Basil O'Connor had already been made a board member of the Board of Trustees of Tuskegee. He had been there several times. So he knew about the hospital, and he knew that we had a pediatric ward there. And he knew that it was an outstanding hospital for black for the southeast region because there was no other black hospitals like that offering black care, especially in the rural south. FDR did visit the Tuskegee campus in March of 1939, and he dedicated an infantile paralysis center there two years later. So let's pick up that story in our next conversation since we're out of time today. Can we do that? Sure. That would be great. Joining us by Skype for Black History Month was Edith Powell, author of the book A Black Oasis, Tuskegee Institute's Fight Against Infantile Paralysis, 1941 to 1975. We'll bring you part two of her interview in the near future in conjunction with the unveiling of a special monument at Tuskegee University. Thanks for joining us today for the Storyline book series on In Focus, which is a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.